Welcome everyone to the Design 101 podcast. My name is Amanda Gates and I own Gates Interior Design in Nashville, Tennessee. My company specializes in living a stylish and holistic life. My goal with this podcast is to celebrate all the blessings that we receive from a well-designed life. I hope to introduce you to inspirational people, teach you new ways to live better, and empower you to design your best life through intention. There are many ways to achieve balance and harmony in our lives, but it all starts at home. Join me each month to be inspired, transformed, and motivated to live your best life. Hello, hello everyone. Welcome to Design 101. I'm your host, Amanda, and today's guest is Laura Carilla of Narrative Spaces. Laura is based out of LA and she is a feng shui expert and has extensive knowledge in high-end furnishings, art, and design. Utilizing her feng shui and space clearing expertise, she helps people connect to the breath of their environments to help them manifest the wants and desires they all long for. Now, I know that this is a little bit different from uh, a couple of the podcasts that I've done before I've been in feng shui, but for the most part, this is pretty different from what I do. But I'm really excited to have her on the show today because I think it's going to really help people understand that feng shui is not an aesthetic and it's not really voodoo, that there's a lot of good stuff that's behind it that you can implement into your home today to make big changes. So whether you're looking for love, fertility, success, financial growth, or simply a harmonious environment, Laura will identify what blocks you have in your home that are getting in the way of those goals. And then she can help you achieve them through what she calls telling a story your story through her company, which is Narrative Spaces. Today, we'll discuss the benefits of using simple feng shui to maximize harmony in your space, house numbers, and how they might be influencing you, and how to best work with your space to achieve the ultimate kick-butt feeling of a sanctuary at home. Let's get started. Laura, hello. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Amanda. I'm so excited to have you on. We were just talking a little bit before the show here about um, just some misconceptions about feng shui. But before we really jump into it, give us a little bit of background about who you are, what you do, and how you came about into the world of feng shui. Well, my name is Laura Carrillo, and I am a feng shui consultant here in Los Angeles, but I also work with people all over the world via Skype. Um, phone, etc. And um, I came to Feng Shui in an interesting way. I'd, I'd, I've always been interested in things like astrology and numerology and Feng Shui. And I had been studying Feng Shui as a novice for many years uh, before I moved to LA. And when I moved to LA in particular, I had this very um, unusual space. It was a beautiful, beautiful apartment. Probably the, possibly the prettiest apartment I've ever had. Um, but it was an unusual shape. It was an L shape. And basically in Feng Shui, that means that you're missing certain critical areas of life, in my case, um, uh, based on what's called the Bagua, which I know you're familiar with. Um, but for those out there that don't know what the Bagua is, it's an energetic map or grid of different, of nine different life stations in Feng Shui. Um, and if there's a part missing, then that area of your life will be challenged or, um, yeah. So in any case, when I moved to LA, I had an apartment that was L-shaped and there were several guas that were missing from the bagua. And as a novice, I knew enough to know that I needed help. 
and um, above and beyond what I knew at that time. So I ended up hiring a feng shui consultant, and I had a really powerful experience with it. And, uh, you know, that's eventually what led me to become a feng shui consultant because I worked with a woman called Tess Whitehurst who's written a number of books. She's great. And ultimately, she was sort of my mentor um, because when I moved again from that space and um, hired her, she's like, oh, God, you've got this. You don't really need me. Um, but that was kind of the beginning of my journey. It was having a very challenging space, um, missing several guas, and the narrative that that space kind of um, – that, that the story that that space held for me and that chapter in my life was such a critical chapter. Even though there were challenges associated with it, it was probably um, the most pivotal chapter of my life. And so even though there were challenges associated with it, I look back upon that time fondly because it changed the whole course of my life. And career. <laughs> and career, ultimately, yeah. Because um, when I hired her again and she um, came and she's like, you got this, she's the one who actually encouraged me to go on. And, you know, I went to the same school that she did. I went to the Western School of Feng Shui and I got certified. Um, and had I not met her and had that experience, that probably wouldn't have happened. So knowing what you did as a novice, did you move forward with the apartment knowing, heck yeah, you know, I can fix this? Or did you go into it with hesitation like, oh gosh, I know that something is missing? Like, how did you go into that? Because I know when I was still a novice and like I would have avoided an L shape altogether because I wouldn't have had the confidence of knowing that there was something wrong, but I wouldn't have had the confidence to know what the hell to do with it. Okay, well, here's the thing. I was living in San Francisco at the time, and uh, I knew enough about L.A. I knew the street. It was Sweetser, which is, I don't know if you're familiar with, like, West Hollywood, but it's a beautiful street. It's a great neighborhood. Um, and I saw the pictures online, but I did not know the floor plan. Um, and so I took that apartment sight unseen because I was in a rush to move. I was working for a company that was transferring me to L.A., um, and it had, you know, moldings and hardwood floors and a view. And I was just like, you know, great neighborhood. I was like, oh, yeah, done. I, no, it wasn't until I actually got here um, that I saw, I realized what I'd gotten myself into. And <laughs> I was like, uh-oh. Uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, there's more to it. it was also, the numerology of the space was a four. Um. And um, if you know anything about Feng Shui, four is probably the most challenging numerological um, number. And so I had an L-shaped apartment that was a four. Oh, my God, what am I going to do? But it was beautiful. Um, that said, even though now that I look back, even though it was very um, – it was missing the career gua. Um, that was like the main gua that was missing. So, um, um, you know, I'll relay what happened. This is my powerful experience. It was missing the career gua. I had the, the feng shui consultation. I did everything she told me to do. And um, one of the main things that she suggested was moving my home office, which at the time was in my love gua for that apartment. Um, and because it was an L shape, I was limited to some degree as to where I could place um, that home office. So um, she, she made some great suggestions, and I did move my home office. Now, bear in mind, the reason it's discouraged in Feng Shui to have your you know, an office in the love gua is because then it represents um, your primary relationship. Your your most um, significant relationship will be with your work, and that's not very romantic. 
So, um, so that said, I did move it to the family gra, um, which would have been like a dining area. So it was a sort of a creative move, but, but it ended up working out well as far as the way it looked and, um, and the layout of that space. So I did everything she said, including that. And, um, six days later I got laid off. So I, my primary relationship was severed. And bear in mind, I had moved to L.A. for this job. So it sounds from the outset like a terrible thing. But the narrative of that space wasn't about career. The narrative of that space was all about um, self-cultivation and just different areas of life that I, that I had never really focused on. So I started um, meditating. I became a Buddhist. I became a vegetarian. I had a huge great group of friends. I had great parties in that house. Um, and I had a huge severance that I was given from that job. So even though I was laid off and that sounds terrible, um, financially I was fine. It's just that the, the space didn't lend itself to focusing on career. Um, and, um, and that's why my whole trajectory changed from that space. And, and while someone might think like, oh, you know, it's because she moved the desk. Like, yeah, probably that accelerated it, but that space wasn't about career. That space was about something else. And it wasn't until I left that apartment and I, I gave it up grudgingly. Like, you know, um, I hung on to it as long as I possibly could. But immediately after letting go of that apartment was when I got a job. Like, immediately after. So that was the story there. The story was to focus on other areas of my life. But how great of you to be able to step back and see the bigger picture and to honor. You know, a lot of times when you do feng shui, I always tell clients, expect change. Good, bad, or indifferent. Something is going to change. It's usually for the better, but you have to be able to step back and look at the bigger picture. Because as soon as you start changing things and moving things, you're shifting the energy. You're changing things. Your so, life is going to change. Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> so... And- most people look at that and go, oh, shit, you caused me to lose my job. And that's not the bigger picture. The bigger picture was for self-cultivation or self-cultivation and to get you to higher ground and, and you know, becoming a vegetarian and um, becoming a Buddhist and really cultivating all areas of your life for the better. Exactly. Uh, I just, my life was a little imbalanced at the time and it really gave me a, a new focus, a new direction. And... I was taken care of. So you can look at it and like you were saying and be like, oh my God, I've lost my job. You've ruined my life. But um, that was an important chapter and I was fully taken care of by the universe in that way. I mean, I, financially, I was fine for that year. Was I a little worried about things? Was I looking for a job that whole time? Absolutely. But it gave me the time to step back and focus in on other very important areas that have um, really fed me and and, um, and nourished my life and enriched my life in a way that I never would have had without that time. So tell, we've mentioned, you know, we're talking shop here and, and sure. uh, we know what the hell we're talking about. But um, for those who are listening who are possibly new to the concept, um, what are some of the benefits of feng shui? And let's back up a little bit. We keep talking about a gua, and a lot of people probably have no freaking clue what we're talking about. So explain to the audience what the bagua is and the nine things that are in it and what a gua is so that they can start getting some bearings about what those nine influential things are that we are talking about. Right. Well, 
And like I, I mentioned earlier, the Bagua is a map or energetic grid in Feng Shui that addresses nine different life sectors. And those areas of life are career, which for me was missing in that particular apartment, um, travel and helpful people, skills and knowledge, health, family, children and creativity, fame, prosperity, and love and relationships. So pretty much every area of life is addressed by that Bagua. And depending on how you apply the Bagua, I practice form school, I apply it based on the entrance. Um, every area of your house is it has um, a symbolic energetic meaning. So if you curate your space and edit your space knowing what area of life you're in in the house, you can make the most of the energetic potential of a space. And really live your best life. Exactly. So we mentioned um, earlier a little bit about um, numerology and you living in a four house. <laughs> yes. Let's talk a little Yay. bit. Um, you know, a lot of times, um, like I, people were so confused. I used to have that on my own website. I um, have studied numerology for years and I, I just, uh, if you dig deep into my website, you can find it. But I eventually just kind of like put it off to the side and I will mention it to people if they need it. But, um, a lot of people don't understand it. They don't get it. They don't understand how it correlates with interior design and feng shui. So give us a little bit of background of, of what numerology is and how it relates to a home. So every number, every house number has a certain energetic vibration that essentially creates a template or a theme for that space. So whatever num that number communicates will be a part of your story while you live there. So the way numerology works is you take the address number and more specifically if it's a unit number, you focus on the unit number. So in my case that, that space was a four. I didn't even have to add up numbers, but let's say you were, you know, one, two, three um, was your address. So you would add one plus two plus three, so that would be six. Um, and if it was a two-digit number, like if, if it was like 15, you would add the 5 plus the 1. So you always want to reduce it to a single digit, and then that becomes your numerological number for that physical space. And, um, and as mentioned, each of the numbers has a different sort of energetic vibration. So it'll, it'll, be, it'll play a role in the story and the chapter that you experience in that particular home. So depending on, you know what what that space or what that number is, it's going to have an impact. Um, and there's, you know, you're looking at nine different numbers. So if you have a one home, um, that's all about new beginnings and um, initiations, ambition, a fresh start. It's more of a solo number. Um, and then you get to number two, which is a great number for couples, roommates, partnership, cohabitation, any sort of love vibration is perfect for a two. Um, Threes are fun. They're active. They're a lot. They're more social than the two. Um, it's more about group activities, community comings and goings, that kind of thing. Um, four. I mentioned, um, you know, some of the challenges, but the, four is also a grounding, stable number. If you want to dig deep and work hard, but you're prepared to not necessarily see dramatic results, <laughs> at least in the financial realm. Um, but it it is um, in feng shui considered the death number um but <laughs> <laughs> dun, dun, dun. You know, for me it was 
death to a, a life I didn't really love anyway. <laughs> Again, so seeing the stepping back and seeing the bigger picture. Of, yeah, I like I, I reincarnated. I was a completely different person after living there, and um, and like I said, I look back on that chapter of my life very fondly, and it was just an important period. Um, it just you, you know I couldn't have stayed there any longer than I did, but but I made the most of it while I was there. Um, five. It's funny because then the next apartment I got was a five. Um, <laughs> <laughs> going up, just add to the next number. But uh, five apartments are all about comings and goings. They're travel, they're change, they're fun, they're drama. It's not a very stable number, but it's it's a good time while it lasts. Um, then you've got six, which I have never lived in, but that's the one I aspire to live in next. Um, it's the most harmonious number for, you know, numerology. It's a healing number. It's kind of, it's great for like therapist offices or homes where you want community and you want to welcome people. It's good for families and couples who are very social. Um, it'd probably be great for a business as well. So six, I, I love, I, I look forward to, to a six. Um, I'll, I'll aspire to that. Um, seven is a very spiritual number. It's, it's also, it's great for artists, healing practitioners, people who want a little bit more of a private space for inner work. And then um, eight is also great. It's the number of ambition. So if you're trying to build your business, your brand, you're working hard towards professional and financial goals, and eight is a really good number for that because it'll help you focus on those things. Um, and then finally, you've got nine, which is a number of completions. And it's typically a space for those who want to remain somewhere long term. And it's also a very spiritual number. And I will say that it really depends on where you are in your life. To be, I remember when I was going through my divorce, I was aspiring either for a six or an eight, more so for an eight so I could afford my divorce. And oh. I could not find an eight house to save my life. So I know that the reason why I wasn't is because I wasn't attracting it. It wasn't in line with where I was at in my life. So I ended up attracting a nine. So completions. There you go. (laughs) Every single house that I looked at ended up being a nine. So, and I ended up buying a nine house. (laughs) Sometimes you got to go with the flow, man. Yep. Yep. Um, And, and as we were talking about the, um, that's where you're supposed to be. I really do think that the places people end up in is where they need to be in that moment. That's that's the narrative of that space. That's the chapter that they're in. And as a feng shui practitioner, it's not about scaring people or making people feel like there's something wrong with their home. It's about finding solutions and making the most of that space so that that chapter is as productive as possible and they can move on to the next one or just make the most of that particular space while they're there. Yeah, that would be one of my questions is what if a homeowner who is listening today to the podcast, you know, just adds up their numbers and says, holy crap, I have a five. I don't want a five. What do you say to that? How do you help them? Um, Well, there are tricks that you can do to alter the number. Like you can add a letter. Like, for instance, if you have five and you want a six, you add an A because A will be one, right? Mm -hmm. So five plus one is six. So you can do five A. Um, so it will help sort of in shift that vibration. Um, and that's, that's an option or you can give the place a name and then you would reduce, you would add up the, what the name added up to. So you could do five, um, 
rose place or whatever, uh, something like that. So there's there's different little tricks to that. Have you ever used that in your work where, where you somebody really didn't like the numerology and you suggested that? Yeah, I actually just worked with a client who was in a five house and talk about coming and going. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and they had stairs right when you walked into their front door. So you open up the door and you immediately went up five steps. So um, just... Uh, there was marriage, there was divorce, there was illness, there was travel, there was change, there was kids. I mean, it was just like nonstop movement. And that's what a five house is. And so um, we did some feng shui things with the house to, you know, the standard of getting rid of clutter. We moved their master into the guest room to create a smaller room because their room was, oh my God, their master suite was ginormous. There was no feeling of coziness Uh whatsoever. Um, It was also outside of the bag wall because it was past the um, front door. So we did a lot of things like that. And then what we did is energetically, um, we added a one to the address. Um, Right. So we did that on, we did it inside the mailbox. We did it on the house uh, with nail polish. We did some certain things to the house to energetically change it. And then we did an exterior chi adjustment. Like we did all of these things to try to. You did everything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And you know, you can even go to Home Depot and buy like a letter, you know, like a gold letter or whatever um, color you want. There's, you can definitely do all those things. So how did it impact? Things have definitely mellowed out. We couldn't do anything on the exterior that was visible because of the HOAs, but, um, you know, mentally just doing those things to um, help ease the energy and, you know, just telling them, like, expect change and and really setting forth that intention and really setting forth that, you know, when we do this, um, allow the flow to happen and allow the change to happen. And so being intentional about what you do is 80% of it. And so I think that um, moving things around in their home and then adding um, that one to give them the balance and harmony and family number of six helped them slow down. And I think they were more cognizant of the decisions that they were making because especially the wife, she wouldn't say no to things. She kept saying yes. And I'm like, okay, well, that's got to stop because that was adding to the chaos. You know, they were young parents with two small children. So I think that that, you know, just kind of slowed things down. We just did it maybe six weeks ago, but already she's starting to feel like she can breathe again, which is awesome. So, um, you know, I've had homeowners in the past are like, oh my gosh, I have a, you know, a one house and, and I don't want a one house. And, you know, they'll, we'll do little things like that. And it makes a huge difference, especially if you can't sell or if you're in an apartment, you yeah, can't move. Yeah, and that, that's why I try not to like get don't panic. <laughs> too freaked out on that because there are cures and, and things. But I do have to say, like, even though I, I did make changes um, with that four as well, but at the end of the day, the, the vibration of that space was so strong that the changes helped uh, facilitate the next changes that needed to happen for me. But that vibration was pretty strong where I lived anyhow. Um, but I do think that, that those changes make a difference and have an impact. So I think there will be like a dual nature. Both things then become true. I mean, I think there is paradox in Feng Shui. Um, and I think that there's, there's that vibration and then this other vibration that you're introducing. Well, and I think that, like I mentioned earlier, you tend to attract things based on where you are 
in life and what's going on with you in life and then also your own personal numbers so um, you know if you pay attention to your phone number your credit cards like I always pay attention to that and my numbers are always the same so um, I was born on the sixth so I tend to attract a lot of six things and I I also attract a lot of four things because um, my main number is a 22 so I attract a lot of four things so there's a lot about like you when I talk to people who aren't really familiar with numerology they're like that you know like a, an eyebrow raises like mm-hmm this sounds right. a little weird but then you start getting into it and you start looking at the patterns and it's uncanny how dead on it is and um, even your uh, driver's license or like the plate on your car like you start really paying attention and it starts to get a little eerie. And there's also, um, if I have a thing with 1111, where um, if you look at the time, whenever you happen to notice the time, if, if there's a certain like series of numbers that you're drawn to or that energetically, they will keep reappearing for you. And I always think it's like a little message from the universe, a little like encouragement or, or like, I don't know, a little divine intervention, something. Um, but I, I always notice those things. Yeah, and what's funny is that when I was in college, especially, the time that I used to always see was 123. That's a six. One, two, three. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, you know, you just, and I think that our culture, especially our ancestors, were so in tune with the universe and, you know, the stars, and and we were so in tune with nature, and we've lost that. We, We no longer have that connection, and so it's so foreign to us that it's almost turned into, oh, that's pure voodoo, but really it's not. It's only, you know, our ancestors of even as close as a hundred years ago, we're more in tune than we are today. I know. I mean, we've gotten so far away from nature and the rhythms of nature. And, and really, you know, feng shui is about having a relationship with our environments, a positive relationship. Um, and we've gotten so far into like a world of technology that we've lost some of that. And I, But I do think the pendulum is swinging back and people are showing a greater and greater interest in more holistic practices because they're seeing the value of it and, and, and a need to unplug and a need to connect with something a little deeper. Well, and I think that a lot of it is almost instinctual that's kicking in. Um, it was funny when you were saying that kind of when you were at that pivotal moment yourself, you know, I had that same experience where I was going through my divorce. I started going to yoga. I started meditating. I became a vegetarian. Like all of these things were happening all at one time. And exactly. I can't really explain why I decided I'm not going to eat meat anymore or I'm going to just sit down and meditate it like all of these things that I wouldn't have necessarily done in my former life so to speak um, Mm -hmm. suddenly I was called to do and I think a lot of it is for a lot of people this what we're calling quote unquote holistic is really just getting back to our roots we're craving it we need it because Um, our systems are getting so zapped by all the technology we're not connected to nature we're never outside you know we're either in front of our desktops we're at home in front of our computers or 
iPads or phones. So we're not really connecting with nature like we used to. And I don't feel like we're respecting her either. So I think a lot of this is, is instinctually we're coming back to it. And that's really where the roots of feng shui are. It's this practice that's been done for 3,000 years. And it's simply things that have been observed and it's tested. for 5,000 years, to be, to be perfectly honest. Um, but like, like you were saying, it's the thing about feng shui that people don't realize is it's not just from China. I mean, this is a practice um, that is... Every culture has some form of feng shui. Yep. I mean, in, in India, they have vastu. In China, obviously, they have feng shui. And there's like a million different schools of feng shui underneath, you know, that. And in Western culture, we have something called sacred geometry that a lot of people don't realize. But churches and um, churches actually use this, uh, the sacred geometry to um, uh, map out their spaces. I know... Um, so it's it's very ancient. It's not just from China. It's not just um, it's it it's not as simple as people think it is. It's not just this decor um, fad that that some people might think it is. It's really much deeper and richer than that. Yeah, I agree, and I, I don't think it's as there is a lot of complexities to it, but I think that people try to make it more complex than it needs to be. I mean, it's really just about honoring your space, tapping into that cosmic breath, paying attention to what's going on around you. You know, like I always tell people, especially when they call on um, like me to do a space clearing or something, like they've never heard of that. They don't know what it is. They don't quite understand it. And it's like I always tell people, you've gone into a space that, feels like a warm hug like you don't want to leave time stands still it just feels delicious and yummy and then we've all been in that house where you go inside and it just feels like ick like you just want to do whatever you can do to get the hell out of there because it just feels off and there's a reason for that so it's just really honoring that process and that feeling and and really tapping into um, those instincts and tapping into how you feel in a space and feng shui helps you connect to that and connect to your environment. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. And, and not just for homes, also for businesses. I mean, there's businesses where you want to be there and you want to shop and you feel welcome and, um, relaxed to be there. And there's other businesses where you just can't wait to get the hell out of there. Um, so I think that, a relationship with space applies to any physical space, not just our homes. Good point. Good point. Yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit about maybe um, some of your favorite consultations or some of your favorite tips that you use. What is a What does a day look like for Laura? Well, recently I've been getting a lot of requests to write articles. <laughs> so um, right now, because we've got spring coming up, I've been doing a lot of writing regarding, you know, spring cleaning and spring clearing and, um, and that sort of thing. So, so a lot of my days have been focused on that and also feng shui consultations. And I'm doing more and more space clearing work, which I'm glad you brought up because I don't think people know what the difference is or what it is. They think it's just um, spring cleaning or clearing. And I, the way I would describe feng shui versus uh, space clearing is that 
Feng Shui is the physical component of it. It's, it's the way the space is arranged physically with the furniture and elemental balance and all these other physical things that you can do. Whereas space clearing is an energetic clearing where you use a number of different sacred tools, anything from elemental tools like fire and water. Um, I use salt as well. Um, but I also use sacred tools like I have a frame drum that I use. I have um, singing bowls, bells, different things depending on the space, the vibration of the space, the intention of the space clearing. Um, and so there's also mudras that are used um, it's all based on shamanic, very ancient shamanic teachings. And um, so you're clearing a space energetically and then setting upon it specific intentions, blessing it in essence. So space clearing combined with feng shui actually maximizes the energetic potential of the space because once you've arranged the space physically to make the most of the energy or chi um, flow, and then you invite the positive energy into the space and remove any sort of stagnant, non-beneficial energies, you have now maximized all of the energetic potential, all of your blessings, and that's when real powerful transformation happens. Yeah, and give an example of um, after a space clearing, what a homeowner can expect. Like, what does that do for a home and those homeowners? I think it's different depending on, on the, the nature of the space, clearing the nature of the space. But I can just give, I'll give a powerful example of, um, I did a combination of feng shui and space clearing for a couple that were challenged um, in, they were trying to adopt. And um, the adoption process had been going on for over two years. And so, you know, they had reached their limits. <laughs> And so I came in and feng shui the space, and then I did some transcendental cures um, and a number of different things. But in addition to that, I did a space clearing and blessing ceremony where we called forth this child. We, so by in, the feng shui basically made space for this baby, and, um, and then the space crane was like an invitation for the baby, if that makes, if you know, just just as a metaphor, um, and six days later, they got a call from a birth mother, and and they had a child, and so that's how powerful and fast that worked for them. I can't say that everyone's going to have that same exact experience, but I'm just giving an example of when you combine both things, and your um, intention is so powerful. That's when you get. That's when the magic happens. Yeah, I was going to say when you're ready and willing. Um, yeah, letting go and just ready and willing, and it will happen. Exactly. That's awesome. I love that story. Thank you for sharing that. That's awesome. Oh, you're, you're so welcome. It was really. It was such a. I mean, honestly, like when when she called me, I cried. I mean, it was my first time doing what I call feng shui for baby, but now uh, it's a it's it's part of my wheelhouse, and it's something that I love doing. Yeah, one of my um, very good girlfriends, um, her name is Kim, and I've had her on the podcast, but she, like me, is a very intentional designer, and um, she was struggling with fertility, and she uh, did a space clearing and a very intentional um, prayer uh, that she did daily, and one thing that she did is she changed the password to every single... um, 
online place that she had a password that was stored and it was I will be pregnant by and I think it was 2007 or something like that but literally that was her password across the board and her, and her a husband mantra a constant yes. mantra that she had right and it was just a daily reminder when she went to pay the bills or to log into something um, subconsciously that I will be pregnant by this date and so it happened six months later her and her husband got pregnant and they had been trying for 10 years oh, wow. so um, what a testament to if you really you know make that space like you said and really clear the energy and, and prepare and ask that baby forth that you know it will come forward for you and that goes for anything whether it's baby relationship money you know it's just really getting clear about what you want and then working with an advisor um, who understands you know on a deeper level the not the Barnes and Noble feng shui but a deeper level <laughs> of what yeah, feng shui exactly. <laughs> You know, another thing that I, I want to mention about feng shui that a lot of people don't realize, it's actually one of the five branches of Chinese medicine. So if, you know, a lot of people are, are trying acupuncture these days. So in Chinese medicine, you've got acupuncture, qigong, which I'm probably, I, I always say it wrong, but um, qigong or qigong, um, herbalism, massage, and feng shui. And it's Technically, it's meant to be a diagnostic tool, just as much as, say, um, you know, the uh, acupuncture. So when we go into a home, we are there to diagnose the imbalances and then provide cures, which actually that's what they're called in Feng Shui. They're called cures when the solutions are cures. And in my practice, I like to call them edits because I call my, my practice narrative space. But... Um, it's a solution-oriented aesthetic. Hmm. I love that. I love the word edit for it, too. I love that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, that sort of, I'm, I became so obsessed with the idea of narrative space and the story of the space and how it's mirroring your story. And so now I refer to a lot of these changes as edits. If you don't like your story, we can edit it. We can write a whole new chapter. I mean, that's the power of feng shui it, it literally empowers people to change their lives and take an active role in that and their space oh, i just it, it's amazing that's why i mean i've studied it for 15 years and i just it never ceases to amaze me what you can achieve with it and um i just wish that our culture was a little bit more in tune to more of the transcendental type uh, practices and had a better understanding or awareness that such magic can occur if you're open to it. Exactly. I agree. And I think that, you know, if you really step back and look at life, it's full of metaphor. It's full of symbolism. Well, so is Feng Shui. It's a language of metaphor and symbolism. And if you participate in that and, and you actually have a relationship with your environment where you're paying attention to the signs it's this beautiful magical experience where you you get to feel connected and feel like the universe has got your back it's like hey you know um, the light went out over here well let's shine a light on that the light went out where was it in the prosperity wow well, what's going on in the prosperity goal what's going on in that area of life and then you can highlight that area of life and you know, make whatever edits necessary to enhance it. Mm, I love that. Well, on that note, um, Laura, if people are interested in learning more about you or want to have a conversation with you, how can they find you? Where Where are you at? 
I'm in LA and my website is narrativespacefengshui.com and Feng Shui, for those of you who aren't familiar, it's F-E-N-G-S-H-U-I. Um, and as mentioned, my name is Laura Carrillo. You can also find me online. I, um, you can call me directly at my office, uh, which is area code 323-522-6811. And I work with people all over the world. Like as mentioned before, I can, if somebody has a floor plan, they can email it to me and we can Skype. Um, I even do virtual space clearings. I create an altar for you. I, we, we discuss your intentions. So all of that I can do. If you're in LA, I can come visit you. But if you're not in LA, uh, there's a lot of powerful work that can be done virtually. Yes, and, and do check out our website. It's amazing. There's a lot of very valuable information on there. You're a wordsmith. I love how you've put everything together on there. <laughs> it's awesome. Um, you definitely Thank you so much. give um, some beautiful language to feng shui with a better understanding so but um thank you thank you for coming on to the show today i'm honored to have been able to talk with you and and that you made space for us to be able to do the the show today and teaching everybody more about um feng shui and what it has to offer to us well thank you amanda i really appreciate this opportunity and um and blessings yes blessings all around well thank you so much Thank you. So there you have it. A little more knowledge about feng shui and all it has to offer you and your environment. Sure, to our culture it may seem totally foreign and even weird, but I have to say the more I have delved into this ancient practice, the more I see the changes and how it creates for our space. And then it makes me wonder, hmm, who's got it wrong? Those who question it or those who have learned to truly embrace it? I want to thank you for listening today. I'm your host, Amanda, and if you have questions or comments about the show, email me at info at You can find more about Laura and the show notes on our website, gatesinteriordesign.com. And be sure to leave us a comment on iTunes or subscribe. It helps other people find us. And let me remind you, it's good chi. So light it up. Are you ready? Let's do this. Thanks, everyone, and bye for now.